0: Everyone, This is Brooke and you're listening to the Vintage Gardener podcast, which is where I give you tips and tricks on gardening, particularly if you're like me and you garden in southern New Jersey, which is zone 7A. So today's episode is about tomatoes, as I'm sure you can tell from the topic. And why do I call it holy tomato? Well, you will see at the end of the episode. So tomatoes is one of those things that... I think my attitude towards them can be best described as indifference. It's not that I dislike tomatoes. It's that I just don't actively like them. I mean, if they're on salads or sandwiches, great. If they're not, great. Um, I just, I really just didn't care about them. I know that people often say, well, you know, with tomatoes, the problem is they're not homegrown. And so I remember back in maybe 2000, ooh, 2012, <clears throat> 2013, I started, I tried growing some tomatoes and interestingly enough, I didn't actually eat them, but my mo- I know my mom did and some friends of the family did and they were talking about how they were so delicious and, you know, They really hadn't had homegrown tomatoes in such a long time. And it was just like the best thing ever. And I still didn't try them. I know that I had grown tomatoes at other times. I know I had tried some Cherokee purple and green zebra. The green zebra was a little bit of a disaster because I was trying to find instructions online in terms of when you knew it was ripe and the descriptions I saw online were different than what I've seen, for example, on Botanical Interest. And so now I understand that I was probably eating them before they were ripe, which is why they didn't taste that great. But anyway, I think what really changed my mind was the summer of 2020. So yes, that's after the lockdown started. And I remember I was watching Roots and Refuge and... Uh, Jess said, well, store-bought tomatoes taste like disappointment, and I thought that was really funny. Uh, But that summer, I grew some tomatoes, you know, I, you know, picked them at the peak ripeness, and I ate them, and they tasted, you know, they tasted pretty good. I mean, you know, I wasn't blown away by them, but to me, I just felt like, oh, well, tomatoes probably just, in general, don't have a lot of flavor, but these probably had a little bit more flavor than what you bought in the store. And especially, you know, when you put a little salt and pepper on them, you know, it was a nice tasty snack. Well, I didn't realize how much flavor they actually had until later that year when I went to the store and bought some tomatoes to make something. And I sliced them up and I, you know, put some salt and pepper on them and I popped a couple in my mouth while I was waiting, to, waiting for like the pot to you know heat up and I just remember going well that was disappointing no wonder Jess says that it does taste like disappointment and I think at the end of the day what, it, what the reason why that summer I hadn't been overly blown away is that because tomatoes aren't one of those things that I buy it had been a really long time since I had tomatoes so to be quite honest I probably just forgot I think I, I, not probably, I definitely just didn't remember what it was, what it actually tasted like. And so I was like, wow, it really is a huge flavor difference. So, you know, I've been watching people on Instagram and YouTube and the admiration and love that people have for various tomatoes is, is just Wow. Um, people are like, they don't just like them, like they're passionate about it and passionate about the types that they liked. And I've seen so many people trying these varieties I've never heard of. I know there's this one guy on YouTube who's also in New Jersey. I could have sworn he said he grows like maybe 50 varieties each year. And I was just like, okay, you know, I feel like I'm missing out on something here. So I was like, you know, maybe my indifference to tomatoes is just simply because I have not had the right tomato. And it's entirely possible because you know what, guys, there are over 3,600 varieties of tomatoes. So... To answer the question of whether or not I really like tomatoes, if I'm really just indifferent to them, I have decided that for the next few years, I'm going to do a little bit of a quest to determine what is the ultimate tomato. So I'll tell you how many varieties I'm starting at the end of this episode. But guys, you know me, I'm very much into research. So before we get into, you know, what varieties I'm growing. And that's going to be an actual YouTube um, video so I can show you guys pictures. I thought it'd be interesting to kind of go into the more connoisseur aspects of tomato. Yeah, I know t- connoisseur is not a real word. It's connoisseur E, you know. But um, I thought it'd be really cool to go into the more connoisseur aspects of tomatoes to see what exactly is it that you're supposed to be tasting? What is it that all these people who are into it are really what they're really looking for in that sort of thing. Okay, guys, so first things first with um, tomatoes, let's let's go into a little bit of history. So tomatoes are part of the nightshade family. Um, I think the botanical name is called Solananceae. I'm pretty sure that I just butchered that. And it includes other things like eggplants, potatoes, tobacco, and peppers. And so botanically speaking, like tomato is a fruit because it have got seeds. And there's a whole way of how you classify a uh, t- uh, tomato, excuse me, a fruit versus a vegetable. But culturally, we we treat it as a vegetable. And in most uses, like it's we use it in a savory fashion. So for quite some time throughout history, tomato was considered to be poisonous probably because it was part of the nightshade family. Um, interestingly enough, the French used to refer to the tomato as the pomme d'amour or the love apple, because they believed that the tomato had aphrodisiac aphrodisiac powers. So, um, yeah, I I got nothing on that one, guys. But anyway, when it comes to the way tomatoes are supposed to taste, um basically tomatoes the taste of it is supposed to be some sort of balance between acidity and sweetness. Now, there are like other volatile compounds which can be, you know, heat, soil, nutrients, water, and other things that are going to affect the taste and aroma of the tomato. So a lot of times when you're seeing descriptions of the tomatoes, especially like on the seed packets, you're going to see things like acidic. And what acidic means is that it tastes sour because there's higher amounts of acid and lower amounts of sugar. Uh, Then you'll have some descriptions that say the tomato is fruity, which means that and these the ones that are described as fruity are typically bicolor or tricolor um, and they have a noticeably fruity aroma and they're typically sweet. Then you have mild uh, tomatoes that are described as having mild flavor and they're low in acid and sugars and generally they're bland in taste. And then you'll see a description called smoky. Um, Sometimes it's also described as earthy. And this is typically a characteristic of dark-fruited varieties. And then you'll see a tomato described as sweet, which means it's high in sugar and low in acid. And then in tart, which means that it's high in acid and it has no sugars. And then well-balanced means that it's high in acid and high in sugar. So that's a little bit about the, t- the taste and what people are, are meaning. So hopefully I don't know about you, but like it helps me like when I'm tasting tomatoes, what I'm actually supposed to be um, tasting for. Uh, so then with tomatoes, then they're also, you know, depending upon the tomato, you're going to be using it different things. I mean, yes, technically speaking, you know, you can use a tomato for any purposes, but some, Types of tomatoes are better at other things. For example, um, paste, sauces, and canning. Um, those type of tomatoes are usually firm with a dense, meaty flush, and they have a small amount of seeds and gel, and they also have less juice, uh, which for sauces and pasta sort of thing, you really don't want them runny. You know, then you have salad, which are either small, uh, they're cherry size or, or, or what is referred to as a saladette type. Then you have slicers, which can be medium, large, and extra large. You know, they tend to be um, round, juicy, and meaty, like, for example, beefsteaks. And basically, they're the type of tomatoes that when you're slicing them, they fit nicely on a sandwich. And then you have stuffer tomatoes, which um, they have small amounts of seeding gel in the center of the tomato, but the the tomato itself has thicker walls. Um, So hopefully that helps you on how to use it, because I personally have used I probably a little more like slicer tomatoes in a pasta sauce trying to make pasta sauce and it just it did not work very well. So now with tomatoes when you're looking for seeds to grow you're going to see a couple of terms on the packages. Uh, So the first is heirloom and so this is open pollinated um, and it's a variety that's been in existence for 50 years. Basically it's the varieties that are generally passed down from families like you know so your great-great-grandmother this is like the type of tomato she swears by that type of thing whereas you'll see sometimes some tomatoes referred to as a hybrid and so basically it's crossbred Um, to take advantage of characteristics of both of the parents, such as, for example, greater disease resistance or higher yields. Uh, Then you have something that's called open pollinated, which are varieties that are pollinated by natural mechanisms like bees, wind, and that sort of thing. And pretty much all heirloom varieties are open pollinated, um, but not all open pollinated varieties are heirlooms, if that makes sense. So then, let's talk about planting logistics because I can tell you, and for 2022, this is the thing that I definitely uh, messed up on. And what I'm when I say planting logistics, I'm talking about things like harvest time and, like for example, determinate indeterminate distinctions. So let's talk about the four groups of harvest time for tomatoes. So the first is very early, and that's something that's something you're going to see on labels. If you, you know, start it from seed or even if you buy it from Lowe's, and so what is what very early means is that it's going to start producing fruit 55 54 days or less after transplant, then you have early varieties which will uh produce fruit 55 to 69 days after transplant, and then you have tomatoes that are mid season which. Um, produces fruit 70 to 84 days after transplant. And then you have late varieties, which produce fruit 85 or more days after transplant. And so when I was getting varieties, I really wasn't paying too much attention to whether or not they were very early, early, mid season or late. And that can be an issue because depending upon whether or not they're determinant, indeterminate, you may end up getting a really huge glut all at once and then having nothing. So that's one of those things that for next year, I'm definitely going to pay attention more to what it is that I'm actually, um, what I'm actually, you know, getting. Okay, so then there are tomato varieties. And so the type of, uh, there's like, there's like seven of them. So we'll take them from the tops. The first one is determinate. And I'm sure you've probably heard these terms on various channels, but I'm not sure anybody really goes into a deep, hardcore, you know, definition of what they are. So determinate um, tomatoes are definitely shorter in height. These plants grow to their full height. And then they stop, you know, they have a bushy growth and typically they don't need support. Um, and so, like, for example, if you're, you know, you're in an apartment and you want to grow something, you know, in a patio container, this is probably what you're going to want, you know, what you're going to want. Um, they do produce sh- fruit over a shorter period of time. Like, for example, they may have a two week. A two week um, window of fruiting. And then once the fruit is harvested, you know, you can pull it. So. If you think of this in terms of like, for example, with strawberries, you have, you know, the June bearing as opposed to the ever bearing. I, 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 I tend to think of determinate or like the June bearing varieties, you know, with the June berry, bearing varieties, once they fruit, like they don't produce fruit for the rest of the season. Now, obviously with the June bearing strawberry, you're not going to pull that because it's a perennial, but that's the way you should look at a determinant is that once it's done, you can pull it. Uh, Then there are dwarf tomatoes, and the dwarf tomatoes are usually two to three feet in high. Uh, They can be determinate or indeterminate, and they're good for containers. And then there are indeterminate tomatoes. Now, these are plants that grow continuously. They're tall, they're vining. Those are the traditional things that we think of when we think of a tomato. The plants produce fruit through fall, so once they start they go through fall some of them will go through frost and so because they are very tall and they tend to be vines these are the type that need um they need support last well actually it's not the last i've got a couple more uh there's also mini dwarf and micro and basket tomatoes and these are really tiny tomato plants these are ones that are usually five to ten inches tall and, um, these are the type that can be grown in a windowsill all year long. So I don't know about you, but in winter, you know, having fresh produce obviously doesn't really happen that much, but getting the right variety, you can have fresh tomatoes all year round. So that is definitely something I'm going to try this year. Uh, there's another one called Ragose Dwarf, and it's a dwarf tomato with, um, with rugose leaf foliage. So there are, and we'll get into that in the next, uh, tomatoes have different types of, different shapes of leaves. So um, it's, there are potato and regular leaves with rugose, you know, characteristics, and we'll go into that later. Then there are multiflora tomatoes. And basically these are tomatoes with huge trusses of flowers and fruit. And then you have semi-determinant. And so it's similar to a determinate, except in the length of the branches, which is between determinate and indeterminate. It needs support. Okay. And so then with tomato leaves. Now, I know this is getting into the weeds. I just found it really interesting. Um, So uh, with tomatoes, they have different shaped leaves. Uh, There's one that's called anthocyanin. And, and there's another attribute called atrovioliceum. And so basically there are some tomatoes that actually have purple and, and purple leaves and purple stems. And they, the second one I read atrovioliceum is what really applies to the leaves and stems and that, that purpleness can change depending upon the heat, but it's like, I think if it's hotter, it, it's more green, but if it's cooler, it's more purple. But anyway, there's something I found interesting. Um, and then with tomato leaves, there's, there are carrot leaves or fern leaves um, there's actually tomatoes that actually have chartreuse leaves and i'm glad to know that because since i've been you know looking up different types of tomatoes they don't really put a description of their leaves but one of the things they were saying about chartreuse leaves is that people often think because of the color that there's some sort of nutrient deficiency So then there are potato leaves and potato leaves, basically it looks like the leaves of a potato plant. And then there are just the typical um, leaves. And then there's the rugose uh, leaves, which I think have a little bit more um, lobes on them. And then there's the serrated potato uh, which means it's like a potato leaf, except it has a little bit more, I guess, like sharp corners, for lack of better words. Then, of course, there's a very um, gated, which is, you know, basically green and white. And then there is a wispy and wilty kind of looking tomato leaves. And the way those look to me is like, you know how sometimes like when your plants get stretched out, you know, there's a lot of distance between the leaf sets. That's kind of the way the wispy wilty ones look like to me. And then there's woolly because some of the tomato leaves do have like fine hairs on them. So anyway, I thought that was really interesting. Hopefully you guys find interesting too. Um, then of course the tomatoes, they're different fruit shapes. So there's the elongated kinds, which tend to be meaty with very few seeds. These are the times you want to, these are the types you're going to use for canning and cooking, like plum tomatoes, uh, the cream sausage, tomato, that sort of thing. Uh, then there's the grape tomato. Um, there's an um oblate or oblate I'm not sure how you pronounce that word it's round and slightly flattened with smooth shoulders this is one of the ones that you typically see in the grocery store and then there is an ox heart variety which um which is basically heart shaped with very few seeds it's good for juicing and sauce um, I can't even, I don't think I've ever seen an ox heart tomato in reality. <laughs> um, and then there's the plum varieties, which we're used to seeing kind of like, um, oh, it's a plum tomato. I mean, I, we've all seen it in the store. And then there's a ribbed variety, which have wavy shoulders. Uh, they're mostly large fruits. Um, it, I don't know if you guys have ever gone to Wegmans, but in their, Tomato section, when they have the heirloom varieties, a lot of times they have a lot of ribbed ones. And then there's, of course, round, which is very uniform in shape. And once again, that's a typical grocery store variety. And so, yeah. You know, because typically I think we're only seeing the um, the omelet and the round, there's, you know, specific varieties that are like that. And some of them I think are probably not the most flavorful ones. Um, which is why tomatoes have no flavor. And so then tomato fruit size. So um, when you're choosing a plant, you know, obviously you want to kind of know the size of the fruit you're getting. And, you know, so for me, like when I see things like large, medium, it's kind of hard, like I don't even, I, I didn't really know what those terms meant. So that's why I'm going over it. So uh, for example, if you see something that says tiny, you know, a t- like for example, I know there's a tomato called Tiny Tom, or you see a current, you know, tomato or spoon tomato. Uh, those are tomatoes that are up to 10 millimeters in size. So if I remember correctly, 10 millimeters is what, one centimeter? So one centimeter is maybe a half inch And then there you have a cherry tomato, which is one to one and a half inches in size. And then a saladette tomato is two to three ounces in size. A small tomato is three to five ounces in size. A medium is five to eight ounces in size. A large is nine to 16 ounces in size. And an extra large is one to three pounds in size. So now if you're reading the labels on the tomato seeds or the tomato plant, you understand, um, what you're actually reading. So anyway, guys, that is it for this podcast. Um, I, like I said, I found that interesting. Um, I, I did get some indeterminate varieties. I also got some determinate varieties. Like I said, I'm going to be going over that in a YouTube video so I can show you guys pictures. But I think what's going to happen, well, number one, I don't have any very early varieties, but what it seems like I've done is that basically I have a lot of mid-season and late varieties. And so I'm going to end up with a glut. So one of the things I need to work on for next year is that getting some that are early, you know, very early, early, mid-season and late. And also within that, getting determinate types and indeterminate types. So for example, if I want to do canning, you know, not having to have like all of my, my canning tomatoes bloom at the same time where I have like, you know, pounds and pounds of tomatoes and, you know, and nowhere to put them. That way I can do, you know, if I have one flush at 55 days and the next one at like, you know, 65 days, at least I can actually deal with just one major harvest at a time rather than being overwhelmed with, you know, a bunch of different varieties. So now, so you guys understand why I call this episode Holy Tomato. This year I am starting 16 varieties because I want to, um, do some taste testing. So I think I've got, I'm trying to think. I think, I know I've got like tiny, the tiny varieties. Um, I know that I've got, I don't know if I have any ribbed, but I have various shapes, various colors. I have, you know, pretty much red, orange. I think I've got a yellow one, uh, green, uh, blue, Purple, black—that's that's you know the color, and you know so pretty much everything in. Oh, and as Fred, I, I, I forgot—I even have some green ones. So pretty much all the rain, all the colors in the rainbow are are covered <laughs> this year. So I'm going to be doing some taste testing just to see which one I actually like, um, kind of rate them, and then next year I'll be trying a different batch, and you know. I don't know how long I'll continue to do taste testing, you know, before, you know, I stop, you know, I don't know. Maybe next year what I'll do is I'll just, you know, do things like do micro tomatoes, maybe do fewer types, but more of them so I can have a true taste test rather than, you know, having like only two varieties of, you know, minis. I don't know. So this is the first time I've ever done it. So um, if you guys have actually, you know, grow a lot of varieties and you've taste tested things, let me know in the comments how you actually went about the process because I'd be very interested uh, to see how you guys did it. So guys, thank you so much for joining me today um, on the podcast. If you would like to find out more about the varieties of tomatoes that I am planting, uh, you'll have to join me on YouTube. I'll be posting video shortly showing you guys the 16 varieties that I will be try- trying. I'll be telling you guys which ones, you know, are determinate, indeterminate, and that sort of thing. And I'll show you the process I'm going to be using to actually start them. Uh, thus far, I think I've I have a few, like five more varieties to plant. As of right now, I think I've got like 72 plants going. And I am going to be giving those to some people who have not had time this year to start their uh, seed. So it's not going to be 72 plants. Actually, it's going to be more than that because by the time I start the other ones, that'll be an additional 30. So it'll bring it up to like 100. But anyway, like I said, I'll be sharing some of my plants. And uh, there are some local... Um, gardening groups that I'm part of and I will be giving plants away on there so anyway I will see you guys in the next podcast and hopefully I will see you guys in the next video on YouTube good night